Hello? 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 Oh, God, I just, I just went the oh, whoa. God damn it, that's not good. Did you hit the oh, whoa? I, I just hit you the hit oh, whoa. hit the whoa, but it's oh, whoa instead. Oh, boy. I'm not ready welcome, for that. Welcome to Cursed Time. Welcome it's, to Cursed Time. good. They look good. They, they look, look pretty. And everybody knows that everyone should be judged by their looks. <laughs> <laughs> they should not. They, should, they, they probably shouldn't. Definitely not. Ah, uh, goodness. There were gracious great balls of fire. So, last mm-hmm. ASMR crunch for right now? Mm, yeah, oh, I, I guess I'll do one too. Alright, that's enough of that. Welcome. Aren't you glad we can't hear ourselves? Yeah, I would probably just like a... <laughs> but, as always, welcome back. Bound by the scene. That's us. As usual, you are greeted by the two friendliest voices on the internet. Don't at me. Um, tentacle bound and spirit. Mm-hmm. How are you doing today? Ah, uh, it's been a time. It has been a time. I've had better days. I've had worse days too. It's been a wasn't wasn't happy with yesterday. Today, it's all right. I mostly stayed in bed, so I'm kind of rigging the uh, the game there. Uh, okay, like, so you're rigging the way the days. Mm-hmm. I funny. woke up at four p.m. and said. And then that, then we're here. Oh, that's fair. I mean, yesterday wasn't too terribly bad for me. I, mm. I got to talk to a whole bunch of kinksters that I haven't seen since uh, convention life. Mm. Um, reconnecting. Yep, reconnecting. Good old Zoom calls. Mm-hmm. A lot of them. Um, found out what an Eskimo uh, trebuchet is. I Eskimo trebuchet? Yep, look up. Um, look it up on okay. Urban Dictionary. Hold on. Um, we have to do science. That, that was, a, that was a, a hoot and a half, if you will. Other than that, today's been kind of an interesting mixed bag, so it's pretty all right. Are you looking it up? I am looking it up, yeah. Oh, boy. Second ASMR crunch. Hmm. Oh, this wasn't bad until about halfway through. (laughs) Would you like to read it for our audience? No, I would not. (laughs) Yeah, it's probably for the best that you don't. I don't want to be liable for that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I guess we should start the episode. Yeah, we should. So, uh, Are you going to do the trick where you... Oh, no, never mind. Apparently, there's a weird... (laughs) Do the trick where I pour Coca-Cola all over my recording microphone. There you go. Life hack. Life hack if you want to have to drop more money on a microphone. Alright, so, today's episode, we will be discussing the thing that has been teased throughout various, various, various amounts of episodes that we've done. Like two of them. Yeah, that's various. <laughs> <laughs> Edge play. Yeah. What it is, what it be, and how it do. So, you familiar with the concept of edge play? Very familiar. I think it's the... Hold on one second. Oh, oh no. So for those that have not been have been with us since the beginning, um, know that edge play is a rather um, vague and encompassing term for very specific types of play that are within what we would discuss would be the rack and the prick side of things. So for those that don't know, rack is risk awareness consensual kink and prick is personal responsibility informed consensual kink. Just to give you kind of a baseline of what that entails again, because all of these various acronyms tend to cause everybody bits of headache. I understand. I'm no different. And that's sometimes how it be and how it do. So, with that with that being said, we'll start off with just the, I guess the basics, once Spirit comes back to the, to the foyer, if it were. Yeah, I had to uh, tell somebody that they didn't have to do something. That is fair. Uh, okay, uh, first misconception. Edging and edge play are not the same thing. <laughs> That's a good one to start off with. Yeah, um, I know that confuses a lot of people. Sometimes. Um, depends on exactly where things go. Mm-hmm. So, I wouldn't even classify edging as part of edge play, but hey, that's <laughs> just me personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what's your familiarity with it? Other than the the daunting thing that we we do both know and love, um, edge play. I think its primary identifying characteristic is that it can 
it can and could easily do irreversible harm to people if they are not practicing um safely okay that's a good one so with edge play because when when we're first when we're first getting into the kinky side of things uh we understand safe sane consensual a lot of the things that we do and don't do are based around those those three concepts Mm -hmm. with edge play it's the the risk is now greater Mm -hmm. and arguably the payoff or the 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 subspace or the top space that you get into is arguably a lot higher. Yeah, or you wouldn't do it. Exactly. So the ones that can encompass anything in edge play are going to be, we'll start off with rope. Rope is pretty pretty easy to go from there. That's probably one of the more known versions of edge play that people don't really consider it, which mm-hmm. is a bit interesting. I think we should touch on that a little bit later mm-hmm. on why that is. Then you run into fluid play. Um various different types of fluid play everything Mm -hmm. ranging from blood all the way to uh rainbow play Mm -hmm. if you want me to go into those and actually explain what those are i can i I think my imagination is good enough on that last one yeah i'm I'm pretty sure you get what that is but Mm -hmm. if i'm I'm talking for the audience if i should or shouldn't Mm -hmm. that's that's the question and we'll come back to that um obviously the the one that most people tend not to really talk about which is scat play um, mm-hmm. that's part of it um then you have your takedown torture play those are uh, interrogation that's another one mm-hmm. let's see here and we and we we do mean all forms of interrogation play mm-hmm. so those are just some of them then you get into obviously sharp play or mm-hmm. sharps so you get you start graduating into like actually cutting down sometimes people do um redlining what that is that you cut just deep enough to where you get small doses of blood yeah yeah um then you go into full-on rough like i guess takedowns would be classified under that one because you're Mm -hmm. doing wrestling and takedowns and you have a possibility of getting your shoulder dislocated pretty much anything that could possibly maim you yeah drugged play is one i've run into a lot Mm. where like people are intentionally like under the influence of something Oh, okay. Um, I do know of that one. I've, I've, mm. I have some, I have some issues with that, but at the same time, it's no different than having a, having some alcohol and then tying, because mm-hmm. that's a big thing in like other, other, uh, other parts of the world where mm-hmm. you can. It's a social event. You drink, you tie, you go home. It's not yeah, going to yeah. do anything too crazy. So, where would you like to start off? Um, I, gu- I guess we start off at home. Like, I think rope play is the thing we we're both the most familiar with yep so rope play inherent there, there's this really weird misconception when it comes down to why do most people not consider it edge play mm-hmm. and a lot of the times you run into the whole well because it's pretty i'm not getting suspended i'm on the floor mm-hmm. and all that stuff so i think that we should probably like tear that misconception out yeah. right now and explain why it actually is edge play as opposed to why it's not don't get me wrong it's pretty mm-hmm. it's great it's fantastic but understanding that these ties that we've we've grown known to love and use so many times they were originally used for torture mm-hmm. um even some places still use it today as torture like if you go to the i think china is one of them where they actually have they tie somebody to the board to a a uh, 90 degree board and have them sitting down and the, the tie is actually called the five point lotus tie mm-hmm. so it goes over the shoulders around the arms and actually spreads out into pulling all the little pieces that were wrapped around the arms so they can't break out of that mm-hmm. tie. It's an interesting tie. It's a very tough one to get out of if you're feeling squirmy. Yeah. And then they strap over your legs a leather belt and then increase the amount of bricks that they put underneath your feet to see which one breaks first, the leather strap or your, your shins. Mm-hmm. Tasty. Yeah, it's a high quality. But uh, I think even outside of the history, um, the moment you start putting rope on somebody, if you don't know your anatomy, you can start to hurt somebody. Like I've seen somebody's arm go numb for an hour and a half just from something as innocent as a um, like a TK, yeah. which is like the very basics of um, like the ties you learn starting out. It's one of them, yeah. In our, in our discipline, at least. 
Yeah, uh, then you have some of the the fun parts of like rope burn mm-hmm. that that leaves a scar to bang. What do you think about rope styles that are not Japanese informed? So Western style rope, yeah, utilizing nylon as opposed to or um, synthetic ropes mm-hmm. and doing decorative stuff that could be. A I thing. would still argue that that's close enough to edge play that you should probably know about edge play stuff um, going into that. It is because. Western style rope focuses on a lot of decorative stuff, mm-hmm. and sometimes the way that they're bound is not as easy to get that off. Also, they use larger lengths of rope, so mm-hmm. the time it would take you to undo the rope that you just did mm-hmm. and get to that knot that's causing a problem, yeah, it will take you a lot longer. So you run into the more time being mm-hmm. being wasted doing so corsetry rope. Mm-hmm. That is that is that is a very stylish one. It's very 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 pretty to look at mm-hmm. but you tie from the top portion of the chest and go all the way down and creating that same cinching effect the corsets wear mm-hmm. what happens when you over compress the diaphragm and then the ribs you, you can't breathe you can't breathe you get a pain in your chest and you can't breathe mm-hmm. and then you run the risk of somebody that's either a bit too focused on their own rope mm-hmm. and that doesn't want to cut it and then you start going and having to like sit there and untie this person yeah. for, that would that that tie took you over an hour and a half to complete because you're tying somebody with a giant 100 foot piece of rope Mm -hmm. creating decorative knots along the way just to get to a point where now you have to cut the person on the rope Mm -hmm. that's a big thing Mm -hmm. so arguably yes even western style rope is is just as just as dangerous if not a little bit more so because of the 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 more moving parts that you're running into Mm -hmm. um and that should be just about it for rope as far as that's concerned because... Yeah, because I think we've, over the podcast, we've shared enough stories of what can go wrong with yeah. rope that we both encountered. A slippage, dropping somebody on their head, mm-hmm. all big parts of it. Um, if it slips around <laughs> the throat, obviously that can do a lot of damage. And I think it's also worth noting that it is rare for people not to transition from just doing the decorative stuff to other more advanced stuff later. And if they don't come into the entire discipline knowing it can be dangerous, they can, like, not be paying attention to things so they transition into the more dangerous stuff and not expect the level of danger that they'll reach later. Yeah. Because, like, we talk about these categories, but people tend to not stay in one category at a time. Yeah, sometimes there's a lot more intermingling. There's a lot more, like, fluidity in between everything, Mm. especially as you start transitioning into edge play or transitioning into anything else. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I will note before we move off the topic of rope is the difference between synthetic and natural fiber. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why most people you in like do like shibari and kimbaku and all that use fiber rope, natural fiber rope, is because there's um, virtually no give. Mm-hmm. It's it tends to hold friction very well, and mm-hmm. there's no there's no chance of slack unless you're not doing proper tension. Uh-huh. Whereas synthetic rope, nylon has a bounce and has a stretch to it, so. Mm-hmm. Keep that in mind when you're using it, and if you do suspension with it, because you'll under you'll it doesn't actually catch friction very well, so mm-hmm. you have to be more hyper tuned to just how your rope functions, right? Right. Which could lead to a lot more slippage, which could lead to dropping, and all that fun, uh, not so fun stuff. Mm-hmm. So now we can go ahead and transition into various types of like blood play mm-hmm. or fluid play. I know a lot of the ones that we I've seen in the scenes and that I've taught is using needles. Needle mm-hmm. play. Uh, we'll give a we'll give a TW for warning for the rest of this portion because some people are very squicked out with needles, yeah. squicked out with scalpels and all that stuff. So just fair warning. Skip ahead about 10, 15 minutes. We can put a timestamp in the description. Yeah, we'll put a timestamp. I need to get better at doing that with um, with YouTube. Mm-hmm. YouTube's been growing too. Mm. Thank you guys. So, when I came into the kink scene, I came into it with a different set of inf- uh, a different set of skills mm-hmm. <clears throat> because I wanted to become a body modification artist. Right, right. So understanding like creating a sterile field mm-hmm. or creating well, in this case, it's not sterile. Creating a sanitized field, utilizing proper technique, utilizing certain tools at your disposal, and making sure you always had a sharps container was kind of drilled into me. Mm-hmm. So getting into it with kink 
and understanding why the BDSM community and the body modification community actually have this really interesting separation mm-hmm. is because of this forms of play. Oh, okay. Because um, with becoming a body modification artist, you under you have to go and get your bloodborne pathogen certification. Mm-hmm. You have to go through OSHA training. Mm-hmm. And you understand just like what you can do and what you can't do with a any of the skills mm-hmm. that you uh, are trying to acquire. And you run into people that buy needles and do needle play and don't have that certification and mm. understand like the severity of like what MRSA can actually do mm. to somebody. Um, that's the biggest thing that I've, I've run into. And usually while I will say that the bloodborne pathogen certification is not relatively expensive, it's like 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also free education if mm-hmm. you just want to look it up. Right. Um, that is a big one, especially when, when you're trying out needle play because People like blood. Mm-hmm. People like the effect that it gets. Yeah. Um, then you, There's a reason people are so horny for vampires. Yep, yep, yep. Then you get sanguine play entirely. Isn't there like a, a group that in like... In Austin? Yeah. yeah that, that does nothing but sanguine play. Uh, I th- I th- it's, um, it's weird because it's not... It's a culture-based group, not necessarily a kink-based group. Okay. So they're all about like like acting and living like vampires some of the time or all of the time so it like it intersects greatly with kink but is not just kink you know okay gotcha. it's not as centered as like i would say that that distinction exists less for like leather families let's say okay. uh if you go to like a leather family event that is the thing you are there for but you could show up at a bar that like one of these um uh like vampire groups r- regularly hangs out with and exist in that space without necessarily being part of the vampire group or part of the kink okay like they don't dominate that space completely okay that that makes sense um but uh, i've I've had one encounter with a leather, a leather group and they that was their place like they own that they tend to have uh very very closed off walls when it comes to events that are theirs so um, what do you think we should discuss about like the concept of like blood play? Do you want to cover the safety as well? Because safety is important when doing blood play, mm-hmm. um, and understanding why. Do you have any resources you can point to as far as like people we know that are, or not people we know, but like <clears throat> a good place to learn about blood play farther than what we can talk about? Um, I wouldn't say a good place to learn about blood play. I would say there's a good place to learn about the stuff that can happen with bloodborne pathogens. Mm-hmm. The CDC is CDC.gov is actually a really good place to start mm-hmm. because that's where you get all of the information of just what can happen when blood transfer happens. Because mm-hmm. um, blood play is a very encom- well, very very encompassing term because mm-hmm. that you can do blood cupping, you can do IV tap play, you can do um needles you can do scalpels you can do makeshift scarifications you mm-hmm. can just do cuttings you can do artistic cuttings that that, that covers a giant yeah. spectrum of stuff uh, as far as blood play is concerned because uh, i came into my awareness about this stuff kind of strangely because i had to know everything about like the sex body fluid exchange stuff being um any kind of not straight in a post 80s world you have to know everything that can possibly happen yeah. Or you should. Um, a good, another good place to like start gathering that much information is OSHA. OSHA has a very good... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all free, mind you. So you don't have to pay for anything right. unless you want the certifications. Mm-hmm. Um, great resources as far as like understanding bloodborne pathogens and what happens when trans- transferring and how to create sanitized, sanitized fields. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that, and you can buy that at medical supply stores that cr- to create sanitized fields. And if you mm-hmm. want like the metal trays that come along with it, then you can buy those off of Amazon for relatively cheap. I mm-hmm. think I bought my first pair of three for 10 bucks mm-hmm. without the whole prime crap because I was a broke college kid at the time. Yeah. Be uh, sanitary. Be sanitary. Um, learn exactly what you can use on wounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's also some free EMT courses that you may want to look into mm-hmm. that you can mm-hmm. look into. Um, all actual vanilla world applications apply for this. Right. Um, so that was, that was some of the resources that I used when I was getting into blood play Mm -hmm. because understanding exactly how to treat a wound, especially after you've caused it Mm -hmm. plays a really big part into it, especially the aftercare that comes out with it Uh in case an infection, what to use if you get an infection, Mm -hmm. um, understanding that, um, in the event that you blood bond with somebody, 
what that means is you and that person's blood have now intertwined. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, now you two can arguably share blood together. Mm-hmm. Um, when with that, I like to preface this with always make sure you're, you're, um, you get checked yep. or do your checkups. Your, you get a panel if possible. Um, I know some of them are expensive, but there are some free clinics um, mm-hmm. that do it. Um, I know this community at one point would actually like ask the local um, uh, city to actually like, do these panels for us to mm-hmm. keep us like to check to see okay. and all that. So that's another good thing, which is great. Um, but getting into it, if you want more knowledge than you and you have some of ex- some exposable income, mm-hmm. talk to your local piercers. Talk to your local uh, if you have any local like body modification artists. Mm-hmm. Some of them are willing to pass off that information for free, but most of the time there's there's going to be a paywall because that's now an apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. Um, those are good. They're always great resources, especially their pamphlets that they have for like yeah. piercing and taking care of piercings and all that. They're great. I've used them after doing play piercing scenes, mm-hmm. um, even some artistic cutting scenes. So that those are good resources. Mm-hmm. Always, always talk to people that are in the profession, and then see if it meshes well with how you do stuff. And also, a good thing to do is if you're doing it in an open air sp- open air space, make sure not to do it on the ground or yeah. in a dirty area. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> Yeah, that comes back to us. Uh, there was a scene that I saw, like someone was doing an artistic cutting scene on the dirt. Mm. Didn't have a sharps container. Wild. Yeah, it was. It was. It was bad. Um, but I guess some of the equipment that you should probably look into as well when doing this, uh, learn the types of sizing for your needles. Mm-hmm. Higher sizes is going to be a thinner needle, mm-hmm. um, like twenty three, twenty four gauge, mm-hmm. and then everything as it goes down. Are your thicker gauge? Are are your are your thicker needles? Mm-hmm. So if you see a fourteen gauge needle, that's a that's a standard needle that you use to pierce the body with to do any type of permanent piercing mm-hmm. or play piercing, if you will. Um, look and make sure to understand which ones are those, and understand that the different caps on the ends of them mm-hmm. are meant for different types of tools. Like sometimes you'll find IV taps; those are a bit different. They have a needle you pull it out, and it stays in the skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you do decide to graduate to intravenous play, make sure to do a phlebotomy uh, course yeah. by all means. Um, yeah, I've seen some IVs go wrong and it is not not pretty at all. Uh, are, are, uh, yeah, no, 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 no. I've had I've had a really interesting Just issue. Activate the red fire hose like <laughs> spurt, spurt, spurt. Um, yeah, no, um, those are. What you want to have in your kit is going to be a, a different sizes of needles, mm-hmm. a sharps container, and those are like $2 a box. Mm-hmm. And they're some of them are large, some of them are like personal carry-on. Also, know where to dispose of your waste biohazard waste material. Mm-hmm. Um, some places allow you to do it for free. Like there's like clinics usually inside your cities mm-hmm. where you can dispose of medical waste. Yeah. Um, and they're always free. Um, understand that you never want to recap your needles uh-huh. because you run the risk of actually like poking yourself mm-hmm. with contaminated stuff. Same yeah. thing with scalpels. Never re resheath them. Um, understand the different shapes and sizes and numbers for your scalpels if you get into artistic cutting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if you were looking to practice any of this stuff, pick skin. Th- there's pick skin, and then there's tattooing fake skin mm. that you could that mimics <clears throat> skin as well. Those are all relatively inexpensive. Also, if you practice with pigskin, you get to eat it later. It's a win-win. Mm. Unless you're vegan, then don't do that. Or you're using it to practice tattooing. Or you're using it to practice tattooing. Don't eat drink. Never eat. <laughs> and so I never thought I'd say that. Don't eat your ink. Mm. That explains why Jeffrey Dahmer never wanted to eat me. I'm Whoops. too tattooed. <laughs> Um, I think that covers just about everything that you can possibly get into with blood play. Um, no, I think no. What um problems can come from like saliva contact? Because a lot of my experience with blood play was with people who really like to bite. Okay, um, the human mouth is actually very dirty. Yeah, human mouth is a is an awful, fucking terrible thing. Um, we would always keep a spray bottle of sanitizer ready. With uh, isopropyl wipes. Um, another thing that you can think... Uh, bandages. Understand how your bandages work. Oh, my God. That, too. Um, one thing I would like to add on that is that there are some types of, like... Uh, 
cleaning solutions that if you get them, don't get them on your skin. Mm. Um, Cavicide is one of them. Sanicide mm. is another one. They're very caustic yeah, to human yeah. skin. And, but they're probably the best as far as like creating a sanitized field. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do need to let them sit for 15 minutes for them to actually work before mm-hmm. you wipe them down. Um, food for thought. So um, if you've got something that I recommend for a lot of this kind of play stuff is getting like a tarp to put on your floor and buying one of the cheaper uh, massage therapist tables because those things have to get cleaned very often, um, but they're still comfortable and um, they can be a comfortable place for you to like sit and for people to play on you, um, but still be easy to clean. Yep. Because you don't want to catch something because a previous session had bad cleaning. Like, that would be terrible. It it would be. And learn that certain types of, like, bloodborne pathogens will live on surfaces a lot longer than others. Mm -hmm. Um, I know hepatitis, I think hepatitis B has a two-week shelf life. Uh Uh-huh. Quite literally. Um, I think that's, I think that's about a good enough amount of information to get you, to get you understanding and started with, like, what to look for and what to look into. Mm -hmm. Um, there's not much information as far as like I can go over as far as like urine play or golden shower play other mm-hmm. than there that's a whole like scene process that you have to be prepared for. Yeah, that one. The most important thing there is knowing how your space works, knowing how to dispose of stuff when you're done with it. Um, Yeah, I, I think that one's another that one's a little bit easier to deal with because it's mm-hmm. just it's another it's just another type of bodily fluid that you if you can understand exactly what you can get from it you mm-hmm. should be you'll be a lot safer yeah. with that than you would like say blood play or even uh, rainbow play mm-hmm. um, with with that if you're going to do this in a local space make sure they have the the right equipment to uh, um, to con, to conform to, uh, not conform to assist you with your yeah. with your desired scene make sure they consent to it too that is another thing um i'm not entirely sure how that would work as far as like enemas are concerned with your that that is not my skill set yeah i'm not sure about that one so just do your research again like fluid play is is pretty much a universal thing as far as like what transfers from one body to the next Mm -hmm. so just go there with yeah if you start at blood anything else should be simpler yes um, the only thing I have to say about rainbow play is that that is a, that's a all day prepping type of scene, mm-hmm. um, because that you have to understand what goes into your stomach and what comes out of it. Uh-huh. So if you don't want anything like food based on your partner or anything like that, just do nothing but fluids that are, have low sodium. Make sure you know what your partner is allergic to. <laughs> that is also the thing because you don't want to drink something that has like say coconut water and your partner's allergic to coconut. Mm-hmm. You don't want to throw it, you don't want to put that back onto them. Mm-hmm. Um, and also understand like how sensitive the esophagus is mm-hmm. when you're trying to regurgitate anything that mm-hmm. you're doing. Yeah. That's sensitivity it. goes way up. Yes. Also how I, how long <coughs> it usually takes you to, to to do all that and understand that bile will come right afterwards, which acid burn is also a thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um that happened to my vocal cords once upon a time. That also apparently that, that happens to a lot of people uh People that do uh, blowjobs, mm-hmm. uh, when it's a little bit too far, you can actually get acid burn on your genitalia, mm-hmm. which is another thing. So, f- food for thought for that one. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to touch too much on scat play. Mm-hmm. The only reason is because I know nothing about that practice. Right. There's a lot of... There's, there's going to be somebody in your scene that knows about it, mm-hmm. that does it. That's probably going to be a lot more well informed than I am about this subject. Because mm-hmm. I, know, I know of a person in, in the community at large here... That's very well known for teaching this stuff. Mm-hmm. And they actually do really good classes. Right. So maybe look into that. Um, groups and forums for that are uh, that aren't just based around the sending people shit. Mm-hmm. So take that one with a grain of salt, because mm-hmm. again, those are these are these are two things that I wouldn't I don't participate in. Uh-huh. And I don't have that much information on. Mm-hmm. Um I think this is a good segue to start transitioning into things that I do have a little bit more information on like mm-hmm. electrical play okay like fire play mm. and we'll get to the interrogation and all that takedown stuff later because i think you would have a lot more insight on takedowns because you have a martial arts background mm-hmm. um i'm just a, a boy that likes hitting things right so um electrical play is one of those things where usually you'll use like a tens unit or a violet wand mm-hmm. um 
So we're not getting up to... Well, I guess we could get up to taser level at some point. Yes. Usually whenever somebody starts off with an electrical play, they usually start off at a violet one. Because violet ones are... They're not inherently expensive. Unless you're buying like a vintage one that has like coils and diodes and all that uh -huh. stuff. And those are really interesting. Um, I think the most expensive part about a a, um, a violet one is the attachments. Mm -hmm. Um because when I bought my first Violet one, it was about $70, but the attachments drove up the price to $180. Because uh -huh. uh, some of the ones that I was looking into, you can do branding with. Mm -hmm. So that's another fun thing. So what sensations are people normally going for when they're in this kind of edge play? Because like, my experience with electricity is generally things go numb. Um, but I was also like an electrician's kid coming up. So I basically, I know what fucking up feels like, and that's about it. So with this one, it's um, it's like rubbing your it's rubbing like you're rubbing your feet on carpet, mm -hmm. and then getting that initial static shock. Uh huh. Repeating that process, but a little bit more like it's it more consistent. Mm -hmm. So you get a constant like warm streak of like electricity, mm -hmm. and it just usually leaves like a tingling sensation afterwards. Some of the way that they do that play as well is that um there's a con a, a, con a conductive pad mm -hmm. that's attached to it and that means the person is conductive and you use anything metal to actually uh, okay. arc the actual electricity out of the person's body mm -hmm. and that creates a really interesting like dynamic between people mm -hmm. and it's fun it's great the thing that i like to preface that with it can cause burning okay so because you're you're shocking the the skin mm -hmm. and the skin is very very sensitive to that electrical current mm -hmm. because all of the sweat has sodium in it right right so that's the big thing to worry about with electrical play or also if you have a pacer a pacemaker yeah that's a big thing um if you have any sensitivity to your skin that's another thing also mm -hmm. if you have like eczema i know that that can be a problem mm -hmm. in certain regards a tens unit is a bit different though mm -hmm. it sends electricity further in and down to the muscle tissue right so you usually want to avoid anything around the chest in the heart's general area because you can actually upset the rhythm of your heart mm. and around the head okay so basically focus on extremities focus on extremities focus on you can even I, i've seen people do with a lot with genitalia like mm -hmm. there's actually an insert for vaginal and anal play mm. so you can stimulate stimulate the actual muscles around and create it to contract uh-huh um apparently leads to a more powerful orgasm depending on who you're who you're talking to mm -hmm. um also tens units are used for therapy so okay that's a big thing if you ever get into if you ever get into an have an injury and you, you have like back spasms and all that usually your doctor will provide you a tens unit okay um and that's where that portion comes from hmm. getting into taser play understand uh, i think a, a small basic understanding of how electricity works mm -hmm. and how it flows through the human body is probably the best course of like right. research to get into because um, the taser will drop most people. Mm -hmm. um, there was actually a funny story on TikTok. This is not my. This is this is just a story that was told. Like this mm -hmm. dude um, thought, and his partner thought it would be great to use a taser in the bedroom. Uh -huh. He didn't understand how electricity current worked, uh -oh. so he was inside her when he shocked her, and then she kicked him in the jaw, and everything seized. So they both fell off. They mm. both fell off the bed after getting shocked. So. Electricity travels. Um, it will travel to the. Wish knee. I couldn't say that was funny. That is that shit is hilarious. Oh no, it was hilarious. Uh, and I think that was a, probably like the best part about that is that <laughs> everyone was laughing afterwards. But honestly, that is one of the biggest things that you under you you understand with electricity is that how fast it will travel between bodies. Yeah. Um. So that's a that's the biggest thing with electricity that I can I can feasibly discuss at the point in time. Mm -hmm. Um. Fireplay is a bit more specific. Mm. Um, I'm sure... I have limited experience with this. Um, my experience with fireplay varies between fire whipping and fire cupping and actually just playing with fire mm -hmm. um, on, a, on a human body. Um, what is your experience with it? So I've had two major, let's call them uh, domains. With this. One is like really kinky spiritual ritual sex um where like perform some light burning with um like a i guess you'd call it like a torch or something um 
to bless parts of the body, as it were. This is when I was in my super active pagany phase, as opposed to my less active pagany phase, which is now. Um, and the other is um, like Wax Play Plus, where you also get the flame of the candle involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've done both of those. Okay. The ones that I see that candle play is uh, wax play is a thing uh, depends on who you're talking to because that obviously you're using super you're heating superheated paraffin wax or mm-hmm. soy wax. Yeah, get your wax right. No, know your allergies. If you have a soy allergy, mm-hmm. do not use soy based wax. Fun fact, especially for insertion. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a few different like schools of fire play. One of them is utilizing like fire wands. Mm-hmm. And a varying mixture of, like, types of alcohol. Like, mm-hmm. you usually have 70% to 90%. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you mix the two to get, like, a di- like a in-between. That will increase the temperature that the, that the fire will burn at, mm-hmm. arguably. Um, that is a whole other process where you're literally just... You're dousing somebody with a little bit of alcohol, lighting that streak, and ch- turning it off to mm-hmm. create a heat sensation from that. Okay. Um it could be it, that could be central that can be sadistic just understand you're playing with fire mm-hmm. and fire will do what fire wants to do mm-hmm. and also keeping a wet towel around to kind of like mitigate any type of like burns mm-hmm. is a good thing yeah um and you want to make sure that you if the person has long hair or a beard you don't want to catch their face on fire mm-hmm. so usually a wet towel over the head is perfectly fine mm-hmm. um also understand what type of clothing you're wearing because certain clothes will melt. Right, yeah. Um, when when I was doing both of these kinds of uh, scenes, like hydrating oil on the person was very important to where their skin would have a certain amount of uh, wetness on it. It's that, kind of the same theory as sunscreen um, to where it was a lot easier to approximate when the burning would start okay. and when like the harmful burning would start. There's also a lot of nuances with fire play because if you're doing the first thing that I talked about, uh-huh. how in fire cupping, you don't want to have lotion on the body mm-hmm. or you don't want to have like perfume or any type of like cologne, anything that has mm-hmm. alcohol base. Yeah. Because that alcohol line will keep going mm-hmm. along the thing. And lotion and certain types of lotion will actually allow the heat to stay trapped in mm-hmm. certain pockets. Right. And so that'll cause, that'll cause like a first second, first or second degree burn. Mm-hmm understanding how to treat burns is also your biggest friend mm-hmm. another thing that you can look into is like firefighter uh i think some firefighter websites have like how to treat burns uh-huh. basic wound prepping also comes into play with this you'll mm-hmm. you'll notice that wound prep wound treatments it's gonna w- pop up a lot in this discussion it's gonna pop, yeah you you may want to like actually like look into like how to treat wounds properly all shapes and sizes i think when you're doing any of this research you should look into stories that people have of these things and then go, okay, starting from zero, what do I need to know to deal with this? Mm-hmm. Because that might happen to you. Like, that's just a, that's the contract you sign when you get into edge play. Pretty much. We're starting a second episode? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm thirsty. Oh, you a thirsty boy. Um, then there's, we, I've now touched on fire cupping. Fire cupping is similar to blood cupping. Most people in the like athletic sphere of things under like if you've ever seen like a swimmer like michael phelps mm-hmm. with a whole bunch of what looks like an octopus like just got a hold of him in like a bad hentai uh-huh. that is cupping mm-hmm. so what some people say some people swear by its um ability to pull toxins out of the body right some people because that's how that works yeah um, <laughs> i so like i said some people swear by it mm-hmm. and i'm not gonna harp too much on that but it is a fun experience and a good waste of time as a friend of mine has told me before mm-hmm. it's a good waste of time mm-hmm. um same process but you're trapping heat in a a type of container oh, okay that will suction cup the skin right and when it runs out of oxygen the fire will just go out yep okay that makes sense um similar similar treatments of that just like make sure that you don't have any lotions on that mm-hmm. on your body um understand exactly how to turn out a fire mm-hmm. and always keep a fire extinguisher around um, some of your venues will is there have... a way to effectively measure how oily somebody's skin is naturally because i think that can be a thing if we're considering like flammable stuff hmm. that'd be a good question that'd be something that you'd have to talk about for your... instance my skin is extremely oily 
That's fair. Mine isn't. Also, I don't have a lot of like bodily hair, so mm-hmm. it makes it easier for me to do these types of things. Right. As opposed to somebody that is like, well, except for my chest. Like mm-hmm. my chest, if you lit, if you put a fire to it, it'll go. <laughs> I, I go I go up in flames, and then it catches my beard. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to be mindful of that. Mm-hmm. Um, that is definitely an interesting question because that's something that you would have to like test on yourself, mm-hmm. and that's a bit. It's kind of sketch. Yeah. Um, it's a bit whiskey. It is a bit whiskey. Like I I know about how flammable and oily i am because i worked in enough kitchens and almost burnt the shit out and have burnt the shit out of myself several times so that'll play a part in how like the con how concentrated you want your alcohol mm-hmm. um as far as like doing fire play in the future um the other things that i've seen is like fire flogging mm-hmm. fire whipping fire whipping and fire poi mm-hmm. um obviously fire boy is more of a aesthetic and for playing around same thing with fire whips mm-hmm. Fire flogging, however, is where people get Kevlar um, floggers and then mm-hmm. lightly fan the flames towards the individual and occasionally maybe hitting them. And because right, if you hit them, if you swing too hard with that, it'll just put the fire out, right? Uh, actually, it depends because the so or is it the same material that uh, like poi and whips are made out of. Same same material. Mm-hmm. So you the flame will go out after all the solvent is out. Mm-hmm. Um, and be mindful of what type of solvent they're using because mm-hmm. when I was doing fire whips it was a mixture of kerosene and something else and mm-hmm. kerosene bad for skin very very bad for skin okay very caustic so that's fire play mm-hmm. in an electrical play and now we're going into branding we could go into branding because um, that I guess that, that does transition further mm-hmm. into like Moving so there's two types of brand. There's two types of. There's actually three types of branding. Mm-hmm. No, there's fucking four. God, I'm missing up. How many brandings? Dun, dun, dun. Well, there's four main ones. There's four main ones in body modification. Um, there's cold branding, mm-hmm. which is where you super chill something and apply it to the skin, which is the one that I have right here on my my right arm. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's strike branding, which is where you superheat metal. Mm-hmm. And there's a, the electrocardiograph <laughs> branding, which is they take an electrode and just zap the skin off. Mm-hmm. And then there's um, acid etching. Okay. So <laughs> that one's harder to control. Yeah. Um, I, I'd say so. So you will never, uh, I shouldn't say that, you will be hard-pressed to find somebody ever convince you that acid etching is a kinky thing. Mm. It's primarily body modification. Okay. And that somebody has to understand how that solution works Mm -hmm. in order for them to stop it from eating away the entirety of the skin after you've done the design. Mm -hmm. You won't find the electrocardiograph branding in the kink scene either because that is a specified tool that you have to have a certain type of license to own. Oh. So you won't see that. You only see that for body modifications. Mm-hmm. You will see stripe branding, violet wand branding, and cold branding in the kink scene. I have done more cold branding, um, like obviously, than I have done strike branding because strike branding is a bit um, tedious to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, the things that I've seen with strike branding is that you never, if you're going to do it, don't do something that's like enclosed mm-hmm. because what will that, what that does is that everything on the inside will start to die and necrotize. It'll just pop off like a coin. Exactly. And you, and you, you just ruined your design if you've had like a circle or something like that. You typically yeah. want open ended designs. Cold branding is where that will fix that, arguably. Mm. Also depends on how you treat it and heal it because it's frostbite. Mm. and frostbite will do whatever it wants when it's healing it can turn gangrenous it can turn necrotic so just understand that severity of it because i with my cold brand i had to actually remove all the dead skin that was forming Mm -hmm. and clean out the entire wound over and over and over again Uh hence why the scar is so prominent okay so how do you um how do you learn to use these tools that seems like a pretty big barrier to entry (laughs) that's So if you want to learn how to do cold branding, uh, cold branding, there are classes I know of that are taught with that. Uh-huh. I don't know if there are any virtual. Um, or you can go to a local farm because they use free, they use cold branding on their animals instead of strike branding because it's a lot more humane. Mm-hmm. You understand exactly what you're doing and what, what you're using. Mm-hmm. Um, the two main ways that I've seen it, I don't know if I should even explain how to... Uh, how to actually do it on this podcast because I'd be teaching over a microphone and not teaching in person. Right. 
Um, but there are two different ways of doing cold branding um, as far as like the chemicals you'll be using. Mm -hmm. um, strike branding is a bit simpler to learn because all you need to do is superheat metal and apply it to the skin. Mm. Understanding how to treat burns, though... That's a different story. That's a different story. Because mm -hmm. you're no longer causing a second-degree burn. You're going third-degree mm -hmm. because you're searing off all the flesh. Right. And that is a whole other bag of worms if you are if you don't know how to treat the wound properly, mm -hmm. especially a burn. Because um, you may have to end up going to the hospital because now they have to graft some skin on from that mm -hmm. area and actually remove the, the actual burn. And that's that's something that you need to consider when you're when you're tiptoeing into branding. Mm -hmm. So if you do me a favor <laughs> and don't get your slave number branded on you, that'd be appreciated. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> um, you should do like a like a slot, and they can write the right your current dom can write their uh, number on there in sharpie. There you go. <clears throat> Just put a put a get a get a magic. Magic, magic marker and put X and then put line and then have them sign. Gonna give it to you. <laughs> X gonna give it to you. Um, I'll have to wait for you to get it on your own because X gonna deliver to you. Yeah, boy, here we go. <laughs> <sighs> so I think that covers that mm. as far as like branding is concerned. Branding is one of those things that you, very specific amounts of people want to do that. Right. They're usually me um, or like me and just their idea of pain receptors as a as a really mm -hmm. fucked up concept well branding and ownership have this relationship that's very prominent and you see that a lot in uh parts of the bdsm communities yeah that's usually with the ms dynamic or the uh, gorian lifestyle mm -hmm. um you'll be hard pressed to find anybody that's just strictly into edge play that doesn't do branding for the sake of branding mm -hmm mainly strike branding because cold branding is actually one of those things like if you the depending on the thickness of the metal mm -hmm. you can actually have it temporary and mm. it will go away okay so if you use a cookie cutter like design and just put it in the solution and put it on somebody that'll that acts like a sunburn mm. and it'll go away within like a week or two <clears throat> okay. after it heals fun facts you try it out yeah try it out see if, and it doesn't so the cold branding part doesn't actually hurt like there's no pain involved in it so it's just the healing process is a bitch depending on how thick the metal is or what you do and what you get and mm -hmm. how long it's applied to the skin right so from here i think we can actually transition into what like takedowns and torture is and interrogation because <clears throat> those are those are those, and we'll touch on uh, cnc and then rate play at, at towards the end of the podcast on this mm -hmm. one because those are a lot more long-winded yeah and a lot more like specific mm -hmm. um so takedowns like you're again you have a martial arts background yeah and yeah. understand like just how i have fought some people you have you have done the punchy thingies with people's um bodies and understand just how like how much impact takedown would do to somebody like if they're getting chased or if mm. they're doing like a rough body wrestling where you're dropping somebody to the ground yeah there's a lot of context depending and like i think the biggest factor is a what you're dropping them onto and b whether or not your partner is um like helping you with it or if they're actively resisting you um as part of uh as part of how the scene works because it's two different things entirely. Um, I actually learned this when um, you're training somebody. You want to be like, okay, go along with this so you know how it feels versus I'm inserting you onto the floor now. Okay. Um, so if you have a partner that just likes being handled roughly, but they're going to go with whatever you want, it's a lot easier to predict their behavior. And you're much less likely to do something to them that you didn't intend. Okay. Um, but yeah, what the, what you're dropping them onto matters a lot too, and how you manipulate their body matters a lot. Um, because there's a lot of, um, so I'm primarily trained as a, um, uh, a standing grappler. Um, I know a lot of striking stuff, but generally because I don't want to necessarily put people in the hospital, I just want them to stop that. I learned a lot of submission stuff very early on. Um, and you'll find that the thing that does the most damage in submission is either your opponent themselves, in which you're like, go down or the arm goes snappy, and then they they make the arm go snappy because you just stand still, or, you know, you drop somebody onto concrete. 
and that Mother Earth can hit much harder than you ever could. Yeah, getting slammed to the ground is definitely an interesting feeling. Um, People forget how hard the ground is. I do. Half the time. I walk on it. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't think about this. And all of a sudden, yeah. ow, that hurt. Why is half my skin on my arm gone? Mm-hmm. Mother Earth decided to take some of it for the payment for falling on her. <sighs> but uh, I think... Even though most takedown play, I feel, works because of its spontaneity, and that's kind of the draw to it, um, have a plan for what you're doing to the person or what the person is going to do to you to understand what you're going to be landing on. Because, like, the difference between a hospital visit could be whether or not you remembered that that couch arm is not just fluff, it has a board in it, and if you put somebody's neck on it, they don't do the breathing anymore. Like... (laughs) the neck go breaky breaky and these are important steps and little steps that are easy to miss but you you want to make sure you know what's going on with them like you could think it's really fun to push somebody against the wall but if you push their head towards the wall faster than you push their chest towards the wall you're just gonna like give them a concussion (laughs) and concussions suck absolute ass yeah concussions are awful um i think the only thing that i have to add to that is also um a bit of a tent and not a tangent a bit more onto like where you are falling because uh-huh. a lot of takedown scenes tend to happen outdoors mm-hmm. um if you're in the woods doing a scene at an open event open air party um under- just because you can't see the rocks in the grass does not mean they're not there yeah um that is a good that's a good uh, like if you're going to be doing something like that kind of prep the area that you're going to be playing in. Absolutely. Um, I know I know. a lot of us have a really interesting fancy, fantasy of like chasing somebody through the woods and like mm-hmm. capturing them and like doing all the crazy stuff. Yeah. But understand that some of these scenes are actually curated previously. Mm-hmm. Like the paths have been cleared, rocks have been They'll removed. They'll usually have like a person that's in the scene that owns the territory and they will spend a couple of days going through and making sure that they have the right, be like, this is the place. This is the there point. are no rocks here. There are no wild. There's no random snakes. <laughs> I listened to four Metallica albums and cleaned up all the rocks. Yep. Like <laughs> there you go. Um, that is probably the only thing I have to add to that mm-hmm. is um, mind how clean the area is, and also watch out for like certain wildlife. Yeah. Um, know your body mechanics. Like know how if somebody falls this way, they will break this thing. Um. Because that's really important. You have to know how... When you're doing any kind of edge play, you have to know how the tool works. And when you're doing takedowns, the tool is your body and their body. Mm-hmm. That's a very good way of putting it. Skulls are really hard. Um, arms will snap for any reason that they can find. Um, if you snap the femur, you've done something <clears throat> really bad. Yeah. You had to try for that one. Yeah. Um... I think that's about it for that, the takedown part. Mm -hmm. That also encompasses like rough body or pressure point sequencing and all that because Mm -hmm. dropping somebody with pressure point sequencing is a very interesting dance. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also that falls under like you just took this person down by bending their arm behind their head. When you are playing with a new partner with um, takedown play, learn what it is like when they go dead weight. That is a very important step because people's bodies act completely differently when their weight is dead. Learn which uh, response they have. Learn if they have the fight or flight one, <clears throat> which is I, I, I don't really like like if you have either or because humans are designed to do either. We've got four. We have four. Mm-hmm. We've got fight, flight, freeze, and uh, fawn. Fawning is um, uh, pleasing behavior. Okay. That same response activates all four of those. Hmm. Interesting. The more you know. Mm-hmm. I've just now learned something today. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I go that that's actually a good segue as far as like we're talking we're now gonna be talking about interrogation. Mm-hmm. Um this will also encompass some sort some forms of CNC. And this will be primarily be like psychological yeah. uh, discussion. Trigger warning, that shit. Trigger warning, that shit. So the most common content warning. I'm sorry, I don't mean to use oh. trigger as a term for this. Uh, yeah, apologies for that. Content warning. CW, not the CW. CW. Um, you don't have to have PTSD to not want to listen to something. That is fair. Uh, so if you don't, or if you're getting, if you're going to get squicked out by this, by all means, um, fast forward. I mm. do not blame you. 
So the interrogation part and the psychological aspect of all of this is what can cause lasting damage mm -hmm. in this one. So a lot of times people think an interrogation scene is just some dude yelling at somebody in a chair. But you also have to take in consideration that there's different types of interrogation, like mm -hmm. waterboarding. Waterboarding is one of the things that I know how to do. Mm -hmm. I've done it once. And that can psychologically scar somebody. Also, you can accidentally kill them. I've been in a uh, three-person um, uh, example interrogation once. That was a lot of fun. That sounds fun. Mm -hmm. So the idea behind that is that the person that is being interrogated is not the person that stuff is being done to. Mm. But you have a different person that is being made an example of while the other person interrogates them. That is interesting. Mm -hmm. I like it. Uh, this more complicated, but like I, it's one of my favorites because it's the most psychologically taxing. I can imagine. Um, learning what psychological triggers people have. Mm -hmm. Um, this I'm, one is tough because a lot of people don't know that they have triggers. Yeah. So especially like, when it comes to inter interrogation, talking to the person and finding out what kind of bothers them is an important first step. I'd say, um, and your like post negotiation talk just like over like dinner or hanging out or something you get this stuff but be mindful of what their reactions are because it is it's not okay to be like well you didn't tell me it wasn't okay so i'm going to keep going like yeah and interrogation scenes are difficult because you're you play on both the mental and physical side of things mm. and you may not be, you may not feel like you're doing a lot, but you're putting so much stress on the person that's mm -hmm. receiving it. They may not also know what's going on until later. Mm -hmm. um, I know in certain scenes, like with, I, I know with waterboarding personally, because this is one I've done, um, the reactions that you get from the person will nine times out of the 10 be genuine terror. Mm -hmm. So be mindful of also that if they, if they're a like permanent partner and start acting slightly different around you. Because they don't, because there's that that, psych, that, that psychological trick mm -hmm. into the brain where it's just like, now this person is capable of doing this to me. Mm -hmm. This is terrifying. Yeah, aftercare <clears throat> also involves rough conversations. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. The other ones that I would like to, to mention on that, they're, they're more... You'd have to have a lot more finances to do this because I've never seen anybody in the King scene do this one, but they're mm. just kind of interesting to talk about. The whole white room uh, in, uh, torture scene, torture scene, where you put somebody in a white room in white clothes and um, with white noise, feed them nothing but white food on white plates, and only come in wearing white and not showing your face. So it's a sensory deprivation thing. Yep. Okay. So there's that. Um. There is a Chinese water torture, which mm. is a single drop on the forehead um, at a timed interval. Right. Um, a lot of these take up too much time for me to actively be able to participate in them. They they do take up time, but also there are people that are going to... that have... I like the exhibition forms of a lot of these that can be done. Yeah. Like, there's also the... Uh, there's also the torture forms of, like, having the entire, like, dungeon in on the entire scene. Mm-hmm. That that is an interesting one that I've, I think I've seen once or twice. Um, this one has a lot more nuance to it, mm -hmm. it because people are very nuanced, right. and how they react to what you're doing to them mm -hmm. or what's being done to you is gonna be case by case basis. Right, right. Just make sure that everybody is in accordance with everything, and you have enough time to dedicate to the aftercare for all of these. Mm -hmm. Because again, psychological episodes afterwards may happen, mm -hmm. and that's the big thing that we should preface this one for yeah so we've gone through torture and interrogation um there's just too many things to kind of go in there you just want to understand that you can be viewed differently or you can view somebody differently mm -hmm. after the scene happens yeah um that is the biggest like warning that i can give on this one another thing i would pay attention to is a lot of people are going to pull torture and interro techniques from military sources old declassified cia stuff fbi stuff um those people do not necessarily care about the well-being of their subject yeah because usually what's at stake is much worse than 
any amount of harm that could be due to this person is their argument, right? Right. Um, you are not in that situation. You do have to care about the outcome of your partner, so keep that in mind when researching those techniques. There may be something that sounds really cool that you shouldn't do because it will affect the person forever. Like one thing that I will say is like get putting bamboo skewers underneath the fingernails. Yeah, that doesn't go away. That is a permanent damage like mm-hmm. thing. You will now no longer be able to grow your fingernails properly and you'll have to be pulling out fibers, bamboo fibers for, out for the rest of your life mm-hmm. or go to get surgery. That That's that's the that's the thing. with that. Yeah, it's the long and short of it. Um, the next thing, uh, again, if you've. If you need to skip any of this, by all means, mm-hmm. this is a content warning. Um, right play. Mm-hmm. Probably the biggest out of all of the ones. So that... we've both known primals before, right? Mm-hmm. They're really into this. Yes, they are. Um, right play is usually done one of two different ways. Hmm. It's between partners or it's between people that have been in vanilla relationship for a long time and they they saw they saw a scene that they liked on a mm. porno and they're like, "Ooh, this sounds great." Uh-huh. Um, nothing wrong with either of them. Just understand the the same thing goes with the torture and interrogation. This mm. is a act that can scar somebody mentally. Mm-hmm. And the physical damage will will also be prevalent to that too. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a way to safely do this um mm-hmm. for the receiving end of the party which is make sure to notate everything that you want done appropriately mm-hmm. um times dates and all that to make sure that you're safe that make sure you 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 know that these are the things that you can handle have wellness checkups uh for this again this one's going to be a very nuanced one because people mm-hmm. interact differently some people will do this consistently as their form of play and that's all they do mm-hmm. um, other people will set up entire lavish scenes where they they call out of work for something they, they call out of work for an entire week because they're sick and then they get they get quote unquote kidnapped by their their partner or their mm-hmm. lover thrown in the trunk taken to a quote unquote undisclosed location and then have the the deed done mm-hmm. um there's a whole mess of stuff that co- that comes with it. Most kinds of edge play are things you could get arrested for. Correct. Keep that in mind. Be very cognizant of how this looks to somebody that's catching you in the act and plan around those things. Yep. If you're going to want to do a someone kidnapping you in broad daylight, make sure it's at a place where no one is going to notice it. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you... Maybe soundproof your bedroom if you're doing a lot of interrogation play. Yeah, <laughs> um, if if you're if you're on the more financially um, well off um, and you have a basement, soundproof that. Mm-hmm. Soundproof your place. Should see real killer rules. Standard. I mean, we all have them. Um, I know every fucking one of you listens to true crime, like, or my your uh, or my favorite murder. Um, I, you guys I mean listen- like the genre of true crime. Okay, fair. Good old murder porn. Those are the things that you need to take away from this. Like mm-hmm. the edge play is in the name. Like you're edging, you're 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 going on that fine line just before the the cliff's edge of mm-hmm. like there's no turning back. Mm-hmm. Um, understand your local laws. Understand what will happen if you need to take somebody to the hospital for uh-huh. a dislocated shoulder, a broken jaw. This or that, permanent damage, understand. Have your story set up. Yep. What you're going to tell the doctor so you don't have to deal with the La Policia. And if you do have to deal with the police, make sure both. it's going to be tough, but explain to them that it was a consensual act. Mm-hmm. That is the key for you guys. Like, mm-hmm. Especially, uh, I, I'm not trying to single out the bottoms or anything like that, but... Um, just so that you're safe as well, because a, mm-hmm. a, a police officer can mistake anything that you say as you're in duress. Mm-hmm. And you don't want your word being snuffed out because somebody thought you, you were feeling a different way. Mm-hmm. Just for you guys. That should just about encompass all of edge play. Mm-hmm. Just should. I know there's a few things that I'm possibly... I'm sure they'll tell us in the comments. The one thing I can say is breath play, but we've been we've talked about breath play a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of the gateway drug. It really is. Just understand what your bo- partner's body is can do when, uh, when they are oxygen deprived. Mm-hmm. 
don't really throw paper bags over someone's head, plastic bags over someone's head. Yeah, no. Unless you know how to cut them out of it very mm -hmm. quickly. Um, I think, yeah, that's about it. I think it. that's mostly it. So, how are you feeling afterwards all of this conversation? About the same. That's fair. <laughs> I well, kind of live in this sphere, so. Same. It was just good to finally get this portion of it, because mm -hmm. I think what's going to end up happening is that we're going to start figuring out just where we need to go as far as like, okay, these are 101 topics. These are 201 topics. Mm -hmm. This is the bridge in that game <clears throat> right. for, for what's going to be going on and moving forward. And we'll have that discussion of what classifies a 101 and 201 in the next episode. All so, right. With that being said, I'd like to thank everybody for subscribing, bringing our YouTube up to almost 30 people Ooh. watching it. Um, the 18 or 16 or so people that are subscribed to us on our, our podcast platforms. Mm -hmm. And all you beautiful, beautiful people that are watching us on Pornhub, even though Pornhub just didn't monetize one of the videos. You guys have brought us all the way up to at least like 6,000 consecutive views on everything. Mm -hmm. So we'd like to thank you for that. Okay. You beautiful bastards. Other than that, we'll catch you next time. Auf Wiedersehen. Au revoir, Janelle. We'll catch you later. Peace. Peace.